The Hard Shoulder with Kieran Cuddy with Nissan on News Talk. Undoubtedly, if you have small kids, your evening will be uh, a festival of planning. Exactly what time do you get out between darkness falling and rain falling and which houses will you go to and what are you going to do with the sheer vast quantity of stuff that's going to come home in the bags and just how much can you let a child have before it all gets regurgitated on your new rug? This, of course, is because today is Halloween. And Halloween, according to Brenda Power, she's writing in today's Irish Daily Mail, has essentially been ruined by North America. The innocent joy that used to be brought from sticking your head into a cake in the search of a ring or into a bucket of water in the search of an apple has been taken and has been commercialised and has had all of the the natural joy beaten out of it by the North Americans. Um, Brent will be talking to us in a minute um, to explain how I've gotten that totally wrong. But in the meantime, Alison Curtis, presenter of Weekend Breakfast on Today FM, is here representing the very North Americans who did this because before she became an Irish citizen in 2013, she was, of course, a Canadian citizen. And Alison, how do you feel? Do, do you wear the mantle of responsibility for wrecking Halloween lightly? <laughs> No, it keeps me up at night. <laughs> um, I understand in the sense that she's thinking that it's it's been much more commercialized in the last number of years, like the good few years now, I'd say 10 anyway. But when I first moved here, it wasn't a thing. Like it wasn't a commercial thing. And I remember my first Halloween asking everyone what we we're going to do and everyone looking at me like I had two heads going, nothing, like we're adults, what are you talking about? And I know there's lots of people of my generation and above that maybe have associations with it that are, are, are more about like kind of antisocial behavior around it or whatever. But growing up in Canada, it was very much a, a family time and you, you felt very safe traveling in your neighborhoods largely and getting, you know, all of your sweets or your candies, we call it. And you felt safe with all of that. It was your gang of friends got together. It was just really fun. And, and my memories around Halloween are all really positive. And as you got older, you'd have, you know, discos or high school parties or house parties. And it was just a fun time to kind of express a bit of creativity. Like you were creating outfits and you were creating different personas. And I have a positive association with it. So I, I am happy that now I think we are making, yes, it is more commercial. I understand that, but we're making a bigger effort as a country and that I think it's it's good for kids. Like kids are looking forward to it every year now. But you see, even that, Alison, Brenda would, would say, and again, I'm putting words in her mouth um, deliberately, but it, it, Brenda would suggest that even that trick-or-treating aspect of things is is, an, is a yeah. North American import. Like she she writes today in, in her piece that this idea of trick-or-treating is another American import, as are the supposedly outlawed fireworks that have been sounding nightly, at least around Dublin suburbs. Brenda Power, good afternoon. Hi, I don't know you. I think you are kind of misrepresenting me in fairness. <laughs> um, I, I, I mean, what I, I said was, look, this is the point in the column where I jump up and down and say, isn't it terrible? The Americans, uh, we exported this to them. They stripped it down, sprayed it up and sold it back to us as, as a commercial enterprise. Exactly. But I'm all for that, actually. I'm all for that. I think it's fantastic. I love Halloween. And, you know, there is the argument to be made to the effect that had it not been pimped up, revamped and re-exported back to us, that it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a festival that might have died completely um, 200 years ago. I mean, they, they, all, anything I've read about it over the last while on international websites all acknowledge that it originated with the Celtic Festival of Sound, uh, a time when, when winter was closing in, harvest had been gathered, and the, the ancient pagan Irish believed that the veil separating the living and the dead was especially thin. And then it was appropriated by the early Christian missionaries who said, well, let's, let's, let's tie in this 
superstition with faith and make it a, a Christian festival. But it was it is all Hallows Eve, Hallows being the saints. And and we exported to, to the United States with the Irish uh, mass immigration in the 19th, 19th, 19th century, where it might have died had it not been taken up with great enthusiasm by our, our North American um, relatives and cousins. <laughs> and and, and we, but we brought it back and, and we did import elements of it like the, the trick-or-treating, which was not an element here. But the well, that was, a to- that was total much. news to me, Brenda. I hadn't realised, I had assumed that while, while we were carving turnips rather than pumpkins, we were still doing trick-or-treating. But that's not the case. That's an import. No, trick-or-treating is definitely not an element of it. The reason you dressed up as a spook or as a ghost was to confuse the real ghosts who were walking the, the land on the night so they think you were one of theirs and they'd leave you alone. That's why you put on sheets. <laughs> and and, and there some, I, I mean, if you look at some of the costumes going back to the late 1900s, they were absolutely terrifying. People had sort of corn uh, flower sacks on their heads with, with slits cut in the eyes. And they were, they were genuinely scary compared to the stuff you buy in shops now. I mean, the point I'm making is, you know, there'll be people going to parties tonight. I know I have some of them in my house. It's sort of weird Barbie or David Beckham or whatever. Can't really see the connection with that. So it has become a kind of a fancy dress fest, which is fine too. But definitely, I mean, I, I have very fond memories of Halloween traditions when I was a kid. The ones now that you'd be hard pressed to get any child to, to engage with, like ducking for, for apples. Sort of quote Dorothy Parker there and say that they're but for a constant story of my life. Um, or, or, or snap apple or, you know, ducking for coins in, 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 in a basin of water. And, but we used to dress up. We definitely dressed up. And there were lots of games. I remember my, my granny having games. And they all seemed to be about predicting when you'd get married or immigrate or die. So, you know, they were sort of, they were profound in some way. But they were, you know, they had a resonance for people at the time. A lot of that has been lost, I guess. But at the same time, you know, it has become a, a, a festival that breaks up what would otherwise be a pretty joyless stretch between summer and Christmas. And the shops yeah, have been full of Halloween point. stuff. You know, as far as and I can I see, the shops have been full of stuff since since July. Sorry, sorry, Alison. And I think sorry. the no, I was going to say, I think the history actually. Now that you're talking about it, and I do find all of that really fascinating, and I do think there's an awareness that it's very tied to Ireland. I think that is kind of coming back in, and kids are kind of learning in school the connection with Ireland and the old traditions and Halloween itself, which I find equally as more interesting than obviously dressing up as David Beckham. <laughs> well, there's a thing, Alison, that you might have a view on. I would have thought that we are missing a trick in hammering the point that Halloween is originally Irish. Because one of the big challenges for tourism in Ireland is extending the season, is getting people to come here into late October because the weather doesn't always tend to be that supportive. Do we not have a great opportunity to sell more yeah. of the fact that Halloween is an Irish thing? Completely, yeah, absolutely. And if anyone's listening from Paul Charland right now, get on it. Because I think that it is true. And I love all of that. And and I love that when I first moved here, that there was this folklore. And yes, albeit it's not being passed around as much as it once was through storytelling and things like that. But there's a much greater depth to it in Ireland than there is in Canada, for sure. And stories and localized stories that have been passed through, uh, which all ties into you knowing the history of your area. And I think that's fascinating. And as I say, I do think kids are starting to learn more about it in schools now and classrooms now. Where do you stand, Alison, on adult participation if you don't have kids? Is it something where you only dress up if you're trick-or-treating with children or can adults no. do? No, no. Look at you, look at our building today, Anton. <laughs> like, look at everybody dressed up in our building. I think it's great if adults want to express themselves and have fun and, you know, be creative with their outfits. I think that's 
brilliant. I just it's another sign of like being creative and expressing yourself and you get to do it once a year without feeling kind of any sort of embarrassment because loads of people are doing it as well. Tech saying North America gave us the fun associated with Halloween. All I remember was if you got a bit of chocolate, it was a joy over a sack of monkey nuts while wearing a bin liner. <laughs> the bin liner seems to be a recurring theme. Every time you mention Halloween to, so, to somebody over the age of 30, they, they reminisce about the joys of what could be made with a bin liner. Brenda, you point out, though, that we should be ever thankful that the one major shift that North America created was that it got us away from turnips in favour of pumpkins. Well, I do remember carving turnips. Oh, God. Uh, obviously, we wouldn't have had wouldn't have had anything like a pumpkin at the time. Uh, but they were originally turnips. It was originally a turnip that you carved out. The myth was that Jack O'Lantern, uh, a man called Jack, sold his soul to the devil. The devil he 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 welched on the deal somehow or other, and then discovered they didn't want him in heaven either. So he was condemned to walk the earth with a lantern carved out of a turnip lit by a coal from the fires of hell. So you know his face was never going to look particularly um, cheerful. But anyway. We used to carve them, and it was a, a nightmare to try and carve a turnip. They're they're like trying to carve a stone, and you'd have spoons and knives, and and you'd get it hollowed out eventually. But the, the resulting faces were pretty terrifying. I would like to see that come back. I have to say, first of all, it show a little bit of application on the part of modern kids because pumpkins are really easy to hollow out. But, uh, you uh, think? Turnips weren't, but also oh, they are. Yeah, oh, they are. Well, try a turnip. Uh, Anton, and, and come back that is, to me. Be, by comparison, you make a fine point. But but <laughs> setting the turnips to one side, whatever about the hollowing out of a, of a pumpkin, the actual carving of facial features into it in a way that doesn't come out as a total shambles, it's challenging enough. It's challenging, although you do see some amazing artwork. I have seen the most convincing Donald Trump's colour correct and all. It looked more like him than he does in real life. And some fantastic artwork on, 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 on pumpkins, even around here. So, I mean, it's, it's, it's you know, you can be more creative with it, let's put it that way. But I, I, to just take Alison's point in relation to, to the tourism aspect of it, you're absolutely right. Now, I know that we have the, the Bram Stoker um, connection, of course, to one of the most famous of all um, horror stories or, or thrillers, stories, whatever you want to call it. But I do think that in recent years, um, you know, there has been more of an emphasis on offering Halloween night or, or, or ghostly Dublin tours or whatever. But, you know, there is, there is the fact that the Halloween movie franchise has maybe turned it into something that centres around the, the murder of cheerleaders. So maybe we do need to try and reclaim the actual origins of Halloween in terms of tourism. It would be a big drop because clearly it is a huge, um, you know, horror movie and the Halloween, the whole Halloween brand is, is a big deal. So maybe, you know, there is some work to be done there on, on the part of the tourism authorities to try and reclaim that. Let and me ask, the, let me ask the, the, the final ideological question to, to, to wrap us up. Alison, first of all, where do you stand on what you provide to trick-or-treaters? Are you one of these people who gives them fruit because it's better for them? No. No, 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 no. I like the idea of like, you know, sweets. And I mean, I suppose if I'm honest, just from a safety point of view, anything individually wrapped, you know, parents are going to be happier to receive on behalf of the kids. So yeah, sweets and treats. And I know you're saying that when you get them home, like you do have to kind of ration it and you do have to kind of watch it so that they're not getting sick on the carpets, as you say. But like, there's nothing to say it can't last for a long, long time for them. And they know the stash is there. Mom and dad know the stash is there too, for everyone to enjoy in moderation, but no definitely sweets. Brenda, same question to you. Where do you stand? Do you know, do you know I'm very tempted to follow the example of somebody I saw online. We have a bowl of sweets in the in the hall. She was taking Brussels sprouts and wrapping them in old Ferrero Rocher. 
tinfoil. Oh, that is so and mean. <laughs> preparing to handle them out. I hand them out. No, but uh, yeah, we have a, we have a bowl of, of, of sweets in the hall ready to go. Oh, that is so mean. Was were, were she at least including Evil. decent um, sweets in amongst them or was that it? Brussels sprouts all the way down. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Unfortunately, I don't have any Ferrero Rocher wrappers or Brussels sprouts. Well, but uh, still, uh, but it was mean. But no, no, not 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 um, improving food. No, like fruit. No, you have to put um, you have to put sweets. Yeah, right. Now, of course, they you... do. As as I said, they'll be they'll be around the house until Christmas at least. The other debate that we don't, we don't have time to get into, but if you have a view by text or by WhatsApp, is whether or not this is now the Rubicon that allows us to start talking about Christmas, because later on we're going to be looking at Christmas markets, and the question is, can you now start to put up the Christmas tree once we get through tonight? But we will set that to one side for the minute. Brenda Power uh, from the Irish Daily Mail, where you can read her column, Halloween has lost its soul, but it's still fun. And Alison Curtis from uh, Weekend Breakfast on Today FM. Thank you both very much. The Hard Shoulder with Kieran Cuddy with Nissan. Weekdays from four on News Talk.